0: <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you, thank you Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Love you too, Kaka. <sighs> That's what my children call Claudia And that was Claudia that said that I got excited before I came up here Because I saw a trash can I'm like, oh, prophetic sign that deliverance is going to happen <laughs> <clears throat> and then I just realized that someone spilt water, <clears throat> but I take it as a prophetic sign, yeah. but I'm excited to, uh, to be up here this morning. I want to thank the elders. I want to thank the staff, the young adult community. Um, you guys really encourage me every day to love the Lord. Every single one of y'all, your guys authentic hunger stirs me up. So if there's compliments for me stirring hunger, I want to thank the young adult community, for keeping me hungry. And so, um, yeah, I'm just excited to be up here. I wanna thank my wife. Can you stand up and just wave? My beautiful wife. If you don't believe in miracles, there's one right there that she married me. Will, don't say amen to that, bro. Well, let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are our best friend. You are closer to us than even the very breath that we breathe. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would intensify in this room, that you would make us more aware of your presence, that, Father, it would be your voice, it would be your words, It would be your touch. I pray, God, that you would anoint this time. That we would hear from you. We would know you. And we'd grow into the image of Christ. That we would be true reflections of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Thank you for your working. Thank you for your anointing. Let it be here. In a tangible way. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, I'm just gonna jump right in. I like to tell stories. If you don't know me, um, one of my favorite quotes by Lou Engel, he always says, One plus one reaches the head, but once upon a time reaches the heart. And so I always love to tell stories. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna minister the word of the Lord, but you're going to get some personal stories in it. I'm going to bear my heart to you. I have not come to try to entertain you intellectually. My role today, my purpose today is to minister to hearts. I, I really feel that. I, obviously, you saw that during worship. Um, what an incredible worship team we have as the young adults. Thank you, Michaela, for leading us, sacrificing. You're amazing. You, you truly are a gift to this generation, and we love you. But it was the spring of 99. I was an eight year old boy. It was very early in the morning and me and my dad, we went to where I'm from, we went to a, um, a spring training game. We did this every year, the opening game. Regardless if I had school, my, my mother may not know this, my mother's on the front row, but even if there was an opening game and it fell on a school day, my dad would let me skip school and we'd always go to the opening game. And we used to go early. It was always so beautiful, but in Florida, it was humid. So You're sweating by 8 o'clock. Beautiful morning, and we always arrived early to watch batting practice, uh, warm-ups, all in hopes to meet some players, to get autographs, you know, that whole thing. That was like my dream as a kid. And, um, and, and we're, we're there one morning, and in and, and Pop's nature, he said, like, hey, hey, buddy, just stay here. I'm going to go get some, some stuff from the concession stand. Amen. And uh, he walks away to go get some, you know, his typical thing was he needed a Pepsi, a hot dog, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, the biggest bucket of popcorn you could find. And uh, that's just what he did. And so Pops went away. That's what I call my dad, Pops. He walked away, went to the concession stand, and when he comes back, he finds his son. He finds me sitting, sitting in the chair. I'm no longer standing on first baseline because that's what, that's what we did. I stood on first baseline to yell out to the players, hey, ball, hey, autograph, hey, come here. And, and I was, he, he comes back, and he found me sitting in the seats. I was no longer standing up. I was no longer engaged. And I, was, I remember being embarrassed. I remember feeling shame. When he comes to me and he sits down next to me, he says, buddy, what's wrong? And I just remember there being a pause. And then I told him, because I knew the rules of standing at first baseline as a baseball player. You always watch what's happening, because if you hear the crack of the bat and you don't know where the ball is at, it's coming towards you probably. And I told him, pop, I'm sorry. I." I wasn't paying attention, and before I knew it, a foul ball hit me in the stomach, and I felt shattered, I felt broken, and he knew that, and I'll never forget it, Pop grabbed my hand, and he picked me up, and before I knew what was happening, because I didn't, I didn't always know what Pop was going to do, he was this bold, like, he was, he just was, he was awesome. He still is awesome, he's not dead, I don't know why I'm saying he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he picked up this young shattered, man, he, this young shattered boy, he, he took me to the first baseline and before I, before I knew it, the entire infield was standing before me. My head's down and i would never forget it. He looked at them and he said, you hit my son, you apologize now. He said, on top of that, when you all apologize, give him that ball. He said, no, 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 we're going to go a step further. You're all going to sign it. See, what happened in that moment? What happened for me? See, it took someone else to speak into me. It took someone else to restore what has been shattered in me. It took family, it took covenant relationship to grab me by the hand and to pull me out of a false identity that was not mine to wear. And this is what I love about the Bible. There's many things that I love, but my favorite thing about the Bible is that it is not a collection of super superhero novels. It's not this, 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 it's not what's that guy's name from Marvel and DC and all, what's his name? Uh, the old guy that died, Stan, what is it, Stanley? I almost said Spike Lee, not him. <laughs> It's not his collection, it's not this, it's not this. Look at all these beautiful, strong men, strong women that have, that, that, that have the ability to be super. No, the Bible is a picture of the restoration of God coming through for broken people that 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 people that these are people that I can relate to people in which I can peer into the process I can peer into the pain I can look into the perseverance and I can still see the promise this is why I love the bible and beyond that it shows that not only that God, it shows that not only God himself comes to restore us but it shows that God himself Became like us Do you you need to know that God loves your body? That's just a side note because I live in a generation where self mutilation self hatred I don't I don't I don't look the part. I don't sound the part. I'm not big enough I'm not tall enough, but you need to know that God so loved your autonomy that he took it on himself Jesus was the fullness of deity that he, he could appear behind locked doors to fear-grip disciples, yet he was man enough to identify with Thomas's pain. We have to, we, we, cannot, we cannot divorce humanity from his divinity. You can't separate the two. I know, I know we live in a day and age, I'm a holiness guy, I love it. But we cannot lose our humanity. Jesus did not lose his body when he resurrected. He is in bodily form. He comes to a fear grip uh, disciples. He 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 identifies with Thomas's pain and he didn't push away Thomas's pain. Rather, he drew him closer to heal it. Jesus did this to show us that even after we believe in him, Even after we've walked with him, it is still possible for you and me to fall into doubt. But even in our greatest fear, even in our greatest doubt, he will draw us near to heal us. This morning, my goal is not to touch minds. My goal is to touch hearts. This is what I'm into. This is what I love. Let's sit down and let's work through hearts. Because theology is great. Theology is good. But if you don't know that he cares deeply about you, it will do nothing for you but make you feel further away from him. I want to talk about the greatest ministry in the New Testament. I want to talk about removing rags of restrictions in your life. But before we dive in, I want to do something. I'm one of those weird prophetic guys. Everybody do this. Okay? Why do I have you do that? Because I need everyone to remove your masks. I need everyone to remove the mask because we believe that, that we need to remove this polished, beautifully presented face that you believe we all want to see. Take off the self-created covering of yourself that you've convinced yourself that the world accepts and for some reason you think we need. Brennan Manning, one of my favorite authors, he said, God's love for us is so great that he does not permit us to harbor false images. No matter how attached we are to them, God strips those falsehoods from us No matter how naked it may make us feel, because it's better to live naked in truth than clothed in fantasy. So I want to look at a familiar story. Turn, your, turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 11. I want to look at the story of Lazarus. So. <laughs> I'm old school, so give me an amen when you're there. I'm going to read a few verses to give you some, some background, and then we'll get into the text. John 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha, And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Jump down to verse 11. This uh, this he said, and after he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him from his sleep. Verse 12. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Jump down to verse 14. Then then Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. See, this is just a side note. Sometimes the Lord will allow the things closest to us to die. Why? That he may restore something in us. Because he, 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 he says... I'm glad for your sake. He's dead, and I'm glad for your sake. Because God's not just, He's not looking into just resurrecting for His own glory. He's looking to resurrect, to restore even something in us as bystanders. This is amazing. This is the gospel that every story you can not only find yourself, but even if you're a bystander, you're getting hit with shots. That's a joke from the hood. You've never been in a drive-by, but (laughs) my mom says amen. She knows. John 11, 39, Let's, let's look at this. Jesus said, remove this stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jump down to 41 through 44. And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. And I knew that you hear me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that you did send me. And when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He who had died, he came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let them go. Before I move on. I just want to be honest, we can't afford to read stories like this and and, and, and not immerse ourselves into the totality in the reality of the text. If you have lived long enough in life, you have experienced the pain of this reality called death. Let me ask you this, have you ever heard the blood-hurtling screams that come forth from a mother that has to hold their dead child? Have you ever heard the groans of a sister that is forced out by emotion as they're burying their younger brother? See, this, has, this became reality for me last July. When my childhood best friend, Quentin, he was killed in a tragic car accident. And I remember his father calling me Bear, is what we called him, Bear, he called me. He said, I need you to speak about Quentin's life and his legacy. And this young man was so loved by the community, it was standing room only. I mean, it was everything from I mean, the, the, the local delinquents, all the way down to our preschool teacher, Miss Brown. I mean, everyone was there. And I've never been in more of an emotional funeral. It was one of the hardest days of my life. The cries that were happening in that place were so intense that it would rattle The biggest man to his core. The toughest man you can think of. These cries that came forth would haunt him. The hurtling screams that came out of his mother as she buried her youngest child. I mean, it was was heavy. The emotional brokenness of his sisters. I remember just sitting with his sisters and, I mean, what do you say? What do you do in those moments? The best thing, nothing. And these cries that came out, I mean, they were so intense, it made me sick to my stomach. And in this passage with Lazarus, it should produce something more in us than merely just a good quiet time. Lazarus was not having a bad day, he was not not having a rough morning, he was dead. And his family is coming to him. Because here's the reality. All the breath in this room is not powerful enough to take a man who's been dead four days, stand him up, and breathe life into him. It takes a miracle from God. It takes the anointing. It takes the power. I don't care how many people in this room. It took God to resurrect this man. John eleven forty four said, He who had died came forth. Bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. See, here's what we see. We see that Lazarus was resurrected, but he still needed more to restore him. Lazarus was resurrected, but still restricted. He was restricted by his hands. He was restricted by his feet. He was restricted by his face. Bound hands, what does that speak to? Here's the reality. Although he was resurrected, he was restricted in his ability to feel, to nurture, to provide, and to receive care. Lazarus was unable to connect through intimacy. He was bound by his feet meaning he was restricted in his ability to walk, to stand, to endure with perseverance. He was unable, listen, he was unable to produce change. His face was wrapped around with a cloth, meaning he was restricted in his identity. He was restricted in face-to-face intimacy. He was restricted in his ability To have vision. He was unable to have a voice. See, many of us, we've been resurrected by Christ, but what's presently restricting us from stepping into all that the Father has for you? What is restricting your heart from intimacy? What is restricting your ability to produce change? What is restricting you from being a voice in your culture, in your family, in this region, in your life? What is restricting you? I don't say this from a place of pressure or condemnation, but I truly believe that the reason the Father reveals is in order that he will heal. This is the beauty of God. He doesn't reveal things to say, look, you suck. He reveals things to say, no, I want to heal it in you. That's the one thing I'm trying to get into my generation is he's not revealing it to say, I cannot believe you. He's revealing it to say, I've called you into something more. I believe that's the reason that we're all here today, that there's a deep cry in your heart. I believe there's a deep hope that that believes that one day you'll walk in this place and be completely set free. You may not wake up and say it. You may not say it in your rearview mirror looking at yourself. You may not tell your wife or your husband, but there's a cry inside of every one of you of hope that says, that, that says maybe today all the grave clothes will be removed. John Eldridge, a man that I've grown to love and he's amazing, he said, he said hope is the sunlight of the soul. Without it, our inner world walks around in shadows. But like a sunrise in the heart, hope sheds light over our view of everything else, casting all things into new light. That is why you come to church. That is why you love Jesus Christ. That is why you believe in restoration is because Jesus, the hope to come and the hope that has come, has put his hope inside of you. And everyone is here and comes because deep in our hearts, like I said, we're not only wanting resurrection, but if we look and we had an ear to hear, we would know that we're crying out for restoration because many of us have been resurrected but few of us have allowed the unwrapping that unlocks our destiny we accept his resurrection but fail to allow the unwrapping i can't tell you i can't tell you how many times i meet with people and they're like man i just feel like my whole life's unraveling i don't know what to do and i'm like amen you're right where he wants you Oh, it feels like a whirlwind. Oh, you're right where he wants you. Oh, but it doesn't feel that I have it together. Good, because now he can work. You don't have to. Because what would it look like for a people that so believe in his restoration that we wouldn't have to try to mimic and produce our own caught a mask? How is it? that Lazarus could be resurrected while still remaining restricted. Where did his freedom come from? 1144, it says, let's read it again. He who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him. And let him go. Jesus, hear me, hear me, Jesus loves to resurrect but here he calls for community to be the hands of restoration. It's a testament to what a great man once said that we hurt in isolation but we heal in community. A grape, listen to this, a grape may be sweet, but the wine is found in the cluster. You may enjoy a grape for a moment, but if you had a bag, (laughs) that was my Jeremiah, I guess. A grape is sweet, but wine, what are we after? New wine. So why do we think a grape can produce wine? Why do we think that there's enough in me as the men of God to produce revival? It takes covenant community. It takes connection. We all have grave clothes. I have grave clothes. I was resurrected in still walking around with the restrictions of the grave. I would lead prayer meetings, I would evangelize, I would see miracles, I would prophesy, contend for regents, and I would see the power of God on display all the while still wearing these grave clothes, still wearing these restrictions. The grave clothes, they plagued my mind, they plagued my body, they plagued my soul. And I never, here's the thing, I never wanted to be a leader. Sometimes I wonder if I was just the one available. Because I never felt qualified. And I found myself walking around with these grave clothes. I remember I would, I would preach the paint off the wall. I would see lives change. All the while no one had any idea that I would go home to my own grave clothes. I'd be left wondering, how could so many receive from my hands, yet I'm so bound in my own heart? I would lay in my bed, you can ask my wife, I would lay in my bed, and I would shake under fear, under anxiety, under the torment of my body and my soul. These were my grave clothes. The first one was fear. I was bound to fear that I didn't have what it took to bring forth change. See, I I come from a a broken and a shattered family that although I had Pop when I was young, in reality he became a ghost in my adolescent years. I didn't know what it was like to have have a a, a healthy man to walk me through manhood. Manhood. In fact, the journey of masculinity in my life swallowed me whole. I became conformed into an image that was not Jesus. I was conformed into an image that was not manhood. I was discipled by broken men on broken blocks selling death to people. I remember being haunted with the questions of, do I have what it takes? Can I even do this? My other grave wrappings was abandonment. Abandonment gripped me. I remember I would just think, man, if I'm honest about what's going on in my head, in my heart, they would all just leave like the rest of them because I'm not special enough, I'm not unique enough to keep these men and women around me. No fathers around, no leaders to pull me out, just a wounded mother trying her best with a broken young man. It's my hero. Listen, listen. I became a chameleon. A chameleon is one that's only able to produce what's around it rather than producing from what's within it. This has been my life for so long. I can just blend in. Oh, if they love the jokes, if they love the humor, oh, I got it. If they need to be serious, prophetic, I can do it. If I need to be a polished preacher, let's go for it but all of it rooted and stemmed from, but they're just going to leave me. If they see my colors, if they see my pain, if they really knew all of my past, would they remain? Failure. Failure is what shackled my feet. The looming feeling that I could never produce what they desired. When I fail, I would no longer have value to them. When I miss it, they're just going to write me off. They're going to set me aside because I'm God's man for the hour, but God forbid I mess up. Need the word of the Lord? Go for it. Will I be valued if they really knew me? Here's the thing, whatever your wrappings are, you need people around you that will pull you out of that restriction so that you will come into restoration. We need this is the, my heart right now is we need covenant community that is honest and authentic. We need a family. We need people that are real and honest. I did not say perfect. I said authentic. We all need covenant people that can say, I'm tired, I'm empty, I'm confused, I don't know what to do. Because here's the reality, even the greatest of leaders needs a soft place to land. Man, months ago my heart was broken. My heart was broken when a father in this community like Barry Nichols stood up here and said, this this has been my struggle in the last season. I've been going through a spiritual depression as a son, as a spiritual son to Barry. My heart was broken. Why didn't I know? Because I lacked true intimacy with a father. It broke my heart. We need to change this. I'm here appealing to you. We need covenant community. We need kingdom. Let's be honest. Let me talk to the mothers for a second. Let's be honest, moms. Everyone knows, every mother knows that the kids may think you're fine. All the while, you feel broken, you feel overwhelmed, you feel tired. Children, hear me. Mamas love you. If you have your mom and dad around, know that they love you. But you also have to realize that she did give up her dreams to raise you. Just because the appearance is she has it all together, why don't you ask her how she's really doing because there's many mothers that feel lost trying to feel their way from motherhood into their own personal identity. Every father knows that it isn't easy to be daddy. See, any man can lay with a woman and produce a child, but it takes something special to be a father. It may seem like... like, 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 like daddy, pops, whatever you want to call them. It may seem like it's easy to be a father, but it takes sacrifice. It takes time. It takes energy. And, and, and most of the time, it takes time, energy, and resources when you feel like you have none less. I go home every day, I sit in my driveway, I take two minutes, say, okay, i release everything off of me because I'm going to be present to my wife, I'm going to be present to my children. Every father, every mother knows that just because it seems that we have it all together, it doesn't always feel that way. Has anyone ever found themselves pouring out when they themselves haven't even felt that they've been poured into? You're just pouring out and you're like, but nothing's in. I know the feeling of releasing courage when me, myself, don't even feel encouraged. But you're a leader, you gotta have it together. You're a voice to a generation, have it together. I know that feeling of releasing what you feel yourself you don't even have. Hear me. Everyone sees the Superman, all the while missing Clark Kent. The greatest need we have is not a conference, it's community. The greatest need we have is this. We do not need concession. We need a safe place for authentic confession. We do not need better membership. We need authentic relationship. Because if we truly were connected to the vine like the cluster of grapes, we wouldn't have to convince you to show up to give. There would be this automatic, I want to give all that I have for this family. We need a company of people. The way I call it is we need a company of people that bear the scars of succession. The wounds of wisdom, ones that aren't afraid to show the pain of processing promises in life. Me personally, I never look for polished people. I never look for polished people because those are the ones that just have the most beautiful masks. I look for honest people, people that have fire in their eyes because they've walked through the fire of life. Those uh, people that aren't embarrassed for you to hear the pain in their voice. Franklin Roosevelt said this, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Don't trust any leader, don't trust any man, don't trust any woman that does not show that they've been through a storm. You connect and you find yourself a leader that is not afraid to be authentic. Because scars don't... Listen, listen. Scars does not always mean that someone made a mistake. But scars most of the time speak to some sort of sacrifice they've made. I don't look for polished people. I look for honest people. This is why I value the Barry Nichols. This is why I value men in my life like Pop Johnson who aren't afraid to say, son, slow down. Son, let me bear my heart to you. Let me tell you the struggles. Let me tell you the pain. I've been sitting with Barry Nichols at lunch and he's just pouring his heart out to me. It's just beautiful because these are men that I can trust. Because they're not polished, they don't care if it looks like they have it together. They just wanna see the succession of a generation. And I need brothers around me. I need brothers like Adam, I need brothers like Derek, I need brothers like Justin Thomas and Caleb Everidge. I remember last year, Adam came down before he moved from West Virginia. He came down and ministered to the young adults and before he came, the father said, Because I'm like, Lord, what's he coming here for? And I felt the Lord tell me, he's coming to bless the community, but he's coming for you. I said, what do you mean? He said, he's going to reveal the lies that you believe about your leadership. And the first night at my house, you can ask him, we're sitting behind my island, me, my wife, and him. And he says, why don't you believe you're a good leader? And I just start weeping. It took an authentic man. Someone that I had built relationship with that has poured his life out to me. That has been honest to look at me and call me out of that brokenness. Derek Kirkman, the same thing. Coming here, even before you guys knew him, the Lord connected us. He's saying, why don't you believe in yourself, Raul? Raul? Do you not know the gift that you have in you? I mean, he would just just bear his life. He said, let me tell you how I lived most of my life as an orphan. I don't want you to do the same. Men like Justin Thomas, that the first time I go to lunch with him, we're sitting at the table, and I say, tell me about your life. And he begins to pour out all of his life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I'm just crying with him. Because he says in all of this Jesus is worthy. The pain of having a call and being in a wilderness where no one knows him, where no one even cares who what his name is or where he's from. He's saying Jesus is worthy. I need brothers like Caleb Everidge that, that, that work through the night and go to school in the afternoon in the short time that he has during the day. He's loving his wife. He, he's doing his homework. He's being faithful. He's encouraging me. I'd find myself, man, I'm exhausted. And the Lord's like, well, then pray for Caleb. This young man has been a faithful brother to me encouraging me. Row, you get up there and you just go for it. You get up there, you lay hands, you let the Lord use you. Don't you hold it back. These are brothers that I need. Brothers that have restored hope. Brothers that have restored my soul, that the Father has used. This is covenant community. Listen to me. Just follow me for a second. Jesus in Matthew 26, he found himself in the garden of Gethsemane, which we all know Gethsemane means the crushing place. Jesus found himself in the garden of crushing. And could it be that the reason he told the disciples, could you not? wait with me for an hour, could you not tarry for an hour, was not because Jesus was some insecure leader, but it was because he wanted them to realize the strength and the power that could be distributed when we are joined together in covenant community. He brought to the place of crushing the community that he knew that could help sustain him in his hour of need. While Christ bore the wrappings of crushing, uh, of crushing, his brothers missed the strength of community. Jesus was not insecure. He's just calling them higher. There's power locked up inside of you. I believe this is why betrayal is so painful in life. Because covenant family is called to remove your grave clothes, not put them on you. Jesus, here's here's the most beautiful thing of this all. Lazarus is resurrected. He comes out. He's still restricted. And what does Jesus do? It says he told them, unbind him and let him go. Jesus did not call the apostle. He did not call the prophet. He did not call the evangelist. He did not call the teacher or the shepherd. He called the unnamed. He called the overlooked. He called the set aside, the ordinary, to restore this man. There is restoration and power. In this room there is fullness of life there is hope there is healing there is breakthrough in this room but it's not found in me but it's found in we it's found in us because here's the thing all of us may feel ordinary all of us may feel that we're just ordinary people But we need to know that even the ordinary have the access to remove your brother's wrappings. You have the ability, you have the access to remove the grave clothes from your family, from your friends, from your job, from this region. We have to understand that the power of the gospel is not found in a leader on a stage, but it's found in covenant community. The secret to the New Testament church was not their leaders, it was their community. Ma can you stand up for a minute? This is my mother Holly. Please sit down. Please sit down. My mother recently finished. She finished one of the toughest seasons of her life. And I thank this community, I thank this family for standing with us in prayer, standing with us in intercession. My mother just finished her last round of chemo. my mother is a strong woman. My mother is courageous. My mother is a fighter. I remember the first time she called me, it was a Thursday, right before I was going to speak to the young adults. She had called my wife first. Kathleen said, you have to call your son. He's going to want to know. I remember getting the phone call. And her voice shaking. She was honest and she said, son, I'm scared. But then hope rose up in her and she said, but here's the thing. I'm a fighter. We're fighters, therefore we're going to fight. And if God has ordained us to walk through it, then we're going to learn from it. She's strong. She's courageous. She's a fighter. But although she's incredibly strong, she could not remove the wrappings of cancer on her own. In order for her to successfully have these wrappings removed in the last season, it took a mother driving her to chemo. It took sons and daughters calling and encouraging her. This is not your end. This is the beginning. It took family and community to pray for her, nurses to care for her, doctors to administrate towards her. She is the example of what we need. She is a picture of we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. My altar call is simple this morning. I don't know where we're at. I don't know what life is like for you. But if you're tired, I just want you to come up. If if you've just felt that it's like this heaviness that's weighing upon you, I want you to come up if you know that you've been resurrected, but there's still restrictions, I want you to come up. We came for change, and it's here. Here's my question. Who is willing to remove the grave clothes off of this house? Who is willing to remove the grave clothes off of Lakeland with shattered dreams, lost promises, and broken hearts? If you need physical, emotional, spiritual healings, the removing of wrappings, I want you to come forward. And all of you All of you that did not respond, I need you to come pray. Come pray. Don't look to me. Don't look to the staff, the elders. I need you to come pray. This is community. This is covenant relationship. Ask them. Talk to them. Introduce yourself. Fathers and mothers, sisters and brothers joining together. Grave clothes are coming off this morning.